0: The United Methodist Church announced a proposal to split into two factions over LGBTQ issues that happened last week. Over the weekend, local churches discussed the plans with their members and explained what potential impacts are within the congregation.
1: Yeah, that's right. Nine on your sides, Marielle Carbone has been talking to a number of church leaders and parishioners on both sides of this issue. Mariel, what are people saying about it?
2: Yeah, well, members here at the Clifton United Methodist Church, some of them saying that if this were to pass, it would be a relief and make them feel a little bit more proud walking through the doors here and saying that they are a Methodist. But others say it could lead to an identity crisis, making them question the faith that they've been following for years. My heart's been heavy for decades. open doors when we don't. But that could be changing in part because of a proposal to split the United Methodist Church. For Clifton UMC member Russell White it would be a relief.
3: To know when I walk through the door anymore I don't have that weight
2: hanging on me. The church announced the idea Friday. Under the proposal, one section, which would stay the United Methodist Church in name, would allow same-sex marriage and LGBTQ clergy members. The other, considered the more traditionalist UMC, would not allow those same stances. Today we celebrated. Cincinnati Reverend David Meredith was one of 16 people to help write and sign off on the proposal. What does it mean tomorrow and the next day? Well, it means we're still going to work toward this dream and vision.
1: On this episode of Something to Chew On, we're gonna talk about the LGBTQ marriage and clergy has been an issue since 1968. And we know every other mainline denomination in the United States has faced this conflict. On January 3rd, 2020, the UMC announced a proposal to split. And that recording that you just heard was from a news source talking about that. Let's dig into this a little bit deeper about personally, what GUM has done since this announcement and since the Special Sessions General Conference 2019. My name is Heather Blaschek. I'm the Director of Communications for GUM, and I am here today with uh, Katie Smith and Hillary Kitchen, and they're going to be sharing a little bit um, about something that's been a pretty um divisive topic in our church. So if you guys want to introduce Uh yourselves a little bit.
0: Yeah, Katie, you want to go
3: first? Sure. Yeah. So I'm Katie Smith. I have been a member at GUM for just about 10 years. My husband, Walter, and I joined when we moved into the area. Um, We have been Methodists our whole life. Wally's father is a retired Methodist pastor. So we were definitely looking something within the Methodist tradition and methodology. So we were super excited to find gum. And we were even more excited to learn that the pastor at the time that we joined the church um, was very progressive. He was very inclusive and really energetic about encouraging the church to pursue that um, intentionally and actively. So uh, that's that's
0: what got us to stay after we initially found gum. So um, I'm Hillary and I have been a member at gum for almost four years, or we've been attending for about four years. And I don't know how many years into it. We joined Um, also been Methodists our whole life. I was raised in the Methodist church. My uncle um, is an openly gay uh, Methodist pastor and, So me being a Methodist really natural and it's kind of in my blood. Um, And I really enjoyed, you know, when we joined GUM, um, we just felt this energy, I guess, um, and spirit. And we were coming from a church where we weren't feeling that um, energy level in worship and we weren't feeling that spirit. So we actually came to GUM for my niece's baptism. And um, the pastor at the time, I think the same pastor, um, just really inspired us that this was a place we wanted to be. And we pretty much immediately moved over.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens. It just kind of sucks you in, all the love and all the spirit. So what we're going to talk about today is um, kind of the birth of the Open Door Committee. So I shared a little bit at the beginning of the episode kind of how um the open door committee came about. So I wanna start with Katie. Katie, we decided to start um a committee after the 2019 Special Sessions General mm-hmm. Conference. So when that had happened and I feel like our church sprang into action right away, and the first thing that we thought about doing Was we need a committee that will um, ground us and start the process of how do we want to be just like we say, open doors, open hearts, open minds. Mm -hmm. And um, your name got brought up to lead that committee. Yay,
0: Katie! Because that's (laughs) what happens.
1: (laughs) So what, what do you think, how did you feel when you were asked to lead the committee? Like what were your initial thoughts and kind of what... What, what went on in Katie's
3: mind? I mean, it wasn't a total surprise because I was pretty vocal during the process um, of the special session of General Conference, um, and I was incredibly vocal about my disappointment and my sadness when um, the decision was made to strengthen sanctions against um, people that I love. Um, I certainly wasn't the only one at church to do so, um, but I, I definitely added my voice to that chorus. So when the time came for something to be done about my anger and my grief and my disappointment, um, I, there really wasn't an, a different option in my mind when I was given the option to make a change and to try to elevate the voices of people who desperately needed our support and our allyship. Um, uh, of course I said, yes, um, it's too important to say no. That was, that was really my initial mindset there.
1: Mm -hmm. It was, I feel like it was kind of like an easy, um, you're right. I, you were definitely vocal as many of us were. Mm -hmm. And it's, so easy to move into a role like that when you surround yourself with people who also feel the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt like you just took it on and was like, I'm going to be the voice. I'm going to be the voice of this group of people, these people that I love in my church um, who feel the same and you were like, somebody's got to do it and you were ready to just, to just go with that. So do you want to go into a little bit of detail about organizing the group and like what what was the intention? You as leader of this group Um, I mean, we had a lot of help from pastor Sherry, of Mm -hmm. course, she helped guide a little bit of the initial start of this group and, um, same with like the governance board. I mean, they had a little say Mm -hmm. in some things that, um, we needed to do as well, but do you want to share a little bit about how it got started and, um, what, what as a group they decided to do?
3: Yeah. So the initial phases of this group started the same way small movements anywhere start. And it was by approaching people one-on-one and saying, you know, I heard you speak at the town hall we had immediately after the end of the special session of general conference. I think there's something to be done here. Would you like to join me? Um, Announcements were made at church and everyone was encouraged to reach out to me The problem was not many people knew who I was. So we ran into a scenario where the announcement would be made and um, people would be guided over to me as, you know, Pastor Sherry was giving the benediction um, so that they would be sure to be included as we launched this group. So when we had our initial meeting, I explained kind of the purpose. In my mind, what we needed to accomplish here was awareness of why there were so many people so upset because for as much anger and disappointment as I was experiencing, there are people in our church who I know and love who believe very differently from me. So So that's a great point mm -hmm. too.
1: Like, well, that's not, We maybe I should have said that at the beginning of the podcast as well not everybody in this group, like this committee felt the same Mm -hmm. way as as much as we want to think that our church, um, the the body of people that we love, um, they didn't all feel this way Mm -hmm. and they still don't. And I think that's kind of why we thought this was so important to, to share how we feel. Um, and it was even eye opening as into what other people were sharing about their, um, transition into being accepting and loving as well, because it may not have always been like that for them. So that was a great point. I mean, not everybody um, in the church was
3: feeling the same way that we were feeling. Yeah, 100%. And to that point, I thought that education was an incredibly important first step, um, reminding everyone that we're not talking about a hypothetical and we're not talking about um, a term or a political position. We're talking about human beings. So really that was our goal from the outset. So we took on um, various projects to try and bring that attention to the forefront. Uh, one of the things we did is we made videos that we aired during service. We had multiple people from our congregation share um, why being an ally was so important to them. We, I mean, these videos represented people across generations Um it was really, really wonderful. We, um, during the course of this also painted our first set of rainbow doors, um, which was exciting and beautiful and a very prominent display of our intention. Um, that prominent display didn't happen overnight. So we painted our first set of doors. I want to say it was like March or April. Um, yeah. and they stayed inside the church until labor day. So Over that period of about six months, we had, again, the opportunity to have open dialogue with members of our congregation, and we had a lot of dialogue. Um, Again, going back to the fact that um, we are a diverse body of people um, who have a diverse set of beliefs. So um, just trying to make space for people's voices to be heard while also ensuring that um, we remembered that we were talking about people. We were talking about beloved children of God. And again, not, uh, um, not just words on paper. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that's a good point.
1: I mean, we spent a lot of time um, educating or speaking out about um, the intentions that we hope that this church um, has so like you said, we've painted the doors, mm-hmm. and every Sunday we had a group of people who would stand out by the doors and answer any questions that anybody had i I know I've, all three of us for sure took a turn at one point standing outside the doors what What kind of um things were you guys hearing? I mean, what kind of um questions or feelings were people sharing with you
0: I mean I remember one conversation, um, you know, and it was one of the maybe more memorable ones because I think this person really approached me with a mindset of curiosity. Um, And I think, you know, just asking me, what did, what did we, why did we want to display the doors and what did we think that it would accomplish kind of, but not in a like, what do you think this will accomplish Mm -hmm. like a negative way? But like really a curious, like, tell me, you know, and I think that's because we as a committee, like we're saying, you know, at the end of every service, please, if you have any questions, if you want to know more about this, um, you know, come talk to us. And I think it was meaningful to have that conversation and say, you know, we just want to make sure that, you know, not only are we as a group welcoming others, but how can gum really welcome everyone and the church is kind of you know, drawn a line in the sand here about what the church as a whole is going to do. And at gum, we, we just don't think that's what we stand for, you
2: mm-hmm. know, and, and I, I don't know. Right. I mean,
0: that at right. least for me was a conversation I remember. Cause I felt like, even though this person I sensed was hesitant about, you know, what it means to be an ally and what we were asking, they also agreed with me at the end of the day and agreed with us that, yeah, that, that is what gum stands for. Right. (laughs) You know? Right. Right.
1: Well, and we can't do this with everybody. I mean, we can't, um, we've said this before many times. We can't say we're an open church. If somebody um, from the LGBTQ community comes in this church and sits next to somebody who goes, are you gay? What are you doing here? I mean, let's be honest. We're not an open church then. Mm -hmm. I mean, we need it to be everybody. Um, so I think sharing those stories, our intention of sharing those stories and sharing our feelings, um, was to not necessarily change people's mind, but maybe make them, um, transition their thoughts and going, I've never thought of it like Mm -hmm. that. I feel like a lot of conversations that I felt like I had um, when I stood outside those doors were, um, well, what are people going to say when we put them outside? What are people in our community? Like we're in the Bible Belt of West Michigan here. (laughs) There is three churches next to us. I mean, we can't, there are, there's a church like on every block, (laughs) if not two. So um, we're in a conservative part of West Michigan, especially Jenison in general. And, um, a lot of people took that as, and what are we going to do when, um, somebody says something to us, how, what are we going to say back to them? How are we, um, going to show what our intentions are? And I think that was scary for a lot of people. A lot of people, um, do not know how to carry on those type of conversations. They've never had to do that before.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So what were we going to say? So what do you guys have to say about that? Because I know a little bit about what I shared. Do you guys want to share?
3: Essentially, my thought process for any time that a conversation comes up with regards to inclusion for any human group, period, in the body of Christ, is loving God and loving our neighbors. So if I... Um, and presented with, well, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? And um, the LGBTQ community is sinful, and w- what if you're wrong? And my response is always, if if I'm wrong, then I've spent my entire life loving people and urging other people to do the same, and I I can't reconcile the god i love the god i worship the god who i believe created every speck of everything i can't reconcile that god um thinking that's the wrong choice
0: katie i think that that just speaks to like exactly what i think in my heart about this which is everyone regardless of you know anything about any human is a child of God, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in this day and age, I can say that politically. Um, but I, I wish that every person, you know, on this issue disagreed with me. And there are people who, you know, think that, you know, homosexuality is a sin. Unfortunately, there are people who agree with the church that, um, you know, pastors could not be self-avowed in practicing homosexuals, you know, and to me, Those, those are just not things that we can speak to. You know, first of all, I disagree wholeheartedly with every inch of fiber of myself. But second of all, you know, when I'm faced with anybody who, who, who thinks that I have to, I just want to ask them, you know, do you believe in that this person is a child of God the same as you? Mm Because if you do, then I, I really don't think there's even a, a point to this conversation. You know God loves every one of us equally and that's where I find I mean I'm just talking a lot now, but that's kind of how I am. That's really where I find my fire for this is I have a real distinct memory um, as a, a youth um, I don't know maybe I was like 13. In my, you know, Sunday school class, which, you know, I think as youth in church and as people involved in our church now, we all were raised, right? And Sunday school was a big part of our life. And I remember yeah. the leader who I, was somebody I really respected and had a great relationship making a comment about my uncle being a sinner. And I will never forget that, like, just how deeply that sat with me and how wrong i thought that was um for him to say how much i didn't agree or believe that how i couldn't even you know stand the thought of someone saying that about him and i think i have carried that still to this day that these are all children of god and they just deserve our love and to be to be told by everyone else god loves you
3: my heart just broke into a million pieces Sorry, I, I, I know can't. I'm like
0: a little choked up here. My eyes are watering. But I, mean, <sighs> I, I remember this moment. I think, are there people out there saying these things to kids still, to young people? What, what if I had been right. somebody who identified that way? And, I, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there are right. so many right. reasons why that is wrong. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's like, let's live out our welcoming statement. We embrace yes. all people that, and treat all of them with sacred worth. It does not matter your history, your gender identity, your race, your sexual orientation, your socioeconomic condition. No, nothing, none of that matters.
0: Yeah. I, I just, and I don't know how we can say we're a church who believes that if we would stand next to Christ himself and do something different than he would do.
3: hmm. I,
1: and I, there is a, there is a huge part of me that, I I mean, I go to sleep every night and think about, you know, why didn't we do this sooner? You know, why were we not doing these things Mm -hmm. sooner? Um, My initial thought when we started this and we were going to put those doors out front, I was like, yeah, hot diggity. This is an opportunity. (laughs) Uh, Think about there are no churches that somebody from the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community can go to in this area and really feel welcome. Yeah. And I
3: feel like it's important to call out and distinguish the fact that this committee was not the first time that the church, that GUM, had um, pushed the needle forward. There had been multiple iterations of different groups, including the group that put together our welcome statement, um, who all worked really hard. Um, But I... I'm proud that the Open Door Committee had that foundation to start from because I think that the work that they yeah. did um, helped helped us immensely, and I I just want to make sure I think that-
1: the candle may
3: have, the candle may have just burnt out a little mm-hmm. bit, but
1: you're right that when that open door committee, I didn't mean to interrupt Katie, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. When that open door committee was created, it was like that just lit the fire again. And I mean, we weren't letting it burn out. this <laughs> time,
3: Right. I think that's the difference. I think that this time there, there was a deadline um, and that deadline remains. The fact remains that effective <laughs> you know, the, initially it was the start of 2020, wasn't it? It was supposed to be January 1st. Um, and then the world changed forever, um, with the pandemic. Um, but at the end of the day, there's, there's a deadline, there's a timeline, and we no longer have the luxury of enjoying the fact that, um, that I, I live as a straight, cisgender, white woman. I no longer have that privilege because people I know and love are, um, are in danger in our church. Exactly. So
1: let's talk a little bit. Um, we also did, uh, let's, let's go into something else. So this was the creation of the door. So the doors yeah. were outside or inside. And we had all these conversations. Then we eventually moved them outside. Um, which, honestly, we've talked a little bit about how nervous people were and how uncertain people were. Um, I just personally want to talk a little bit about how excited people were, too. We were getting messages from people outside the community saying, thank you so much for putting those out. I drive past those every day to work. I I am um, a part of the LGBTQ community, and this made me feel loved and – all of these things that people were sharing that keep doing what you're doing keep thank you for making us feel loved thank thank you for taking that stand we got so many messages we were flooded with love which was i mean that was what we've all been like i
0: wish that that those messages for. could somehow be shared with our congregation especially the you know the doubters or the the people who are hesitant to what does this mean for our church our congregation what does this what's really gonna happen to just hear people be grateful for love and, and a welcome I feel like right. might might get somebody to go, you know, that's a good point. Like, you know, I, I want our church to grow and I would love to have new people joining us. And this is a way that we can welcome somebody different.
1: Right. Exactly. Um so the doors were outside. Then we did a book study. I led a book study called God and the Gay Christian, which was great. It talked about the seven Bible verses um, that are typically used to, um, to scrunch, you know, the LGBT community and say, this is why this isn't um, a life worth, you know, the, what the Bible says. So we went through this book together. And Katie, you were in, Hillary, you were in the, the book yeah. as well, weren't you? I read the book so Mm -hmm. i personally love the book i love matthew vines i think he did a great job Mm -hmm. um sometimes a little bit he dug deep i mean this is from a conservative gay uh man who decided to write this based off of his experience and he went in it like theological wise it went it went pretty deep so I appreciated that. And I thought it was great too that we, this um, book study, I'm trying to think, I, we probably had close to 20 people in this study, which in our church, it, that's not big, but that's great because it's 20 people who can share with another 20 people who could share with another, that was my thought. Mm-hmm. If we get a good handful of people who can share this with others. And I thought it, it was awesome. We get a lot of people who always say, but in the Bible, it says this. We still get better. In the Bible, it says this. And this is just such a great piece of work to share with somebody where he talks about, well, right. what does it really, mm-hmm. is that really what it meant? So I love, I love that book. I thought it was great. I don't know if any of you want to touch on it. it we don't have to go into it um, detailed, but... I it was just another way of us moving in the right direction,
3: yeah, I mean this is... yeah, oh go ahead, I mean, I was just gonna say, I think it just further built the conversation, so every time we had someone within the congregation speak up or every time we were able to use biblical support for what we were saying, it it just continued to strengthen our goal and our movement. That that was really, I think, the most important thing to come from it. And like you said, if one person talks to two people who talk to two more people, um, all of a sudden this knowledge is being shared and spreading in a really organic and exciting way. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I think it also helped, you know,
0: anybody who may be was thinking like, I want to be a part of this movement. I support this, but I don't really know what to say in the face of that scripture or, you know, when somebody disagrees with me, except to say, you know, maybe that's not right. You know, this really, I think he addressed those things in a meaningful way, you know, with his personal story. Um, But also I think it just gives, it, it supported people being able to speak to some of that. Mm. right right
1: and then we had the videos that katie mentioned which were very personal stories that we had reached out to how many did we have seven
3: we had seven six mm-hmm. seven something like that
1: families and asked them if they would be willing to share their stories is this something that they would be willing to do to help open some eyes I feel like um and just kind of get the like a lot of people were very quiet about this and I felt like if they shared something personal this was going to be eye-opening I mean and it put a face with it you know it, it was a way to go okay I respect this person in the church they've been mm-hmm. a member I, I I care for them that was their way of saying oh I care about them? Do I still care about them? Yes, I still care about them. And then they also are a part of this LGBTQ ally community. And this is why they want GUM to to also feel, want everybody to feel loved. Mm-hmm. So Katie, you had shared a video. Do you want to speak on your video a little bit? Um, just like a synopsis of what your
3: point of sharing was. Sure. So I, we talked briefly at the beginning of the podcast about people having different journeys and making space for that growth process. And that was really important to me because I was not always an affirming Christian. I didn't, you know, I didn't understand why we should be affirming. I was raised and taught pretty consistently that um, being gay wasn't consistent with the Christian tradition And um, that wasn't anything that was ever explicitly, you know, pounded into the conversation, but it was something that was always implied. And it was something that was implied strongly and consistently, if that makes sense. So um, about the time I was graduating from high school, I was meeting more people, you know, getting to know more people and under. more about my faith and understanding that it was okay to be curious about your faith. So ultimately, my video is just a synopsis of my process of becoming an affirming Christian. Um, And I, I just really thought that was important, that the person who was in front of the congregation and was acting as the chair on this committee was someone who went through a journey that maybe some people in the congregation were directly going through at that time.
1: Yeah, that was a great, great way to tie that in and make people really think. Hillary, um, Andy, your brother, who is also co-chair of the Open Door Committee now, also shared a video. And I'm not going to ask you to speak on your your <laughs> crazy <no>, marketing <I'm laughs> <brother's> video. <laughs> Um it's funny because I just shared with you that I was rewatching all these videos as I was getting ready for this podcast and it just makes you cry when you see all these videos. All these stories are just so personal. It it just brings all those feelings back. So Hillary, I was just wondering if you would share a little bit about maybe your uncle. I know Andy had shared it in the video. Is there just a little bit you would love to share with yeah, us? Yeah, I mean that? I think
0: um I mean, there are so many things I could share. I think, you know, my uncle, um, so he's a pastor in uh, Cincinnati and has been a pastor for many, many years. Um, and his church right now is also virtual. And it's funny because in a recent sermon of his, I, I usually watch his church at 9.15 and then gum at 10.30. He, um, yeah, because I, I mean, you know, it's a cool thing to get to see him preach. I don't normally get to, so. Um, yeah. So he, yeah. um asked a question that you know about is you know think of someone in your life who really lives like Christ and and I, he's the person I thought of and he has always been that way I I, I think I've never seen him angry you know in um I'm not going to say how old I am but in all all of my life um, <laughs> I've do it, never be out there <laughs> um, you know and this is a man who's faced so much adversity right who was you know a young pastor trying to reconcile his sexuality um, and and his life and I'm not going to speak on his journey but he just is the most incredibly patient kind human I have ever known um, and I think you know for Andy it's the same um and we were very lucky to be raised by a family who just loved him and that's how it was and I mean he tells a story when he introduced me to his current his spouse um my uncle Jim um and he said you know so this is Jim and I was in the car with them; I was five years old um you know and in the back seat and I go so how did you guys meet (laughs) <laughs> which, which says a lot about me too, but also I think just speaks to it's weird that my uncle's, you know, partner, boyfriend, person he was dating right now was a man. I was like, cool. So how did you guys meet? You know, <laughs> like, tell me about you. That's great. Welcome to the family. I mean, um,
3: oh, yeah, you know, I yep. guess pizza. You know, <laughs> I, um,
0: I, I'm very, very lucky to have had him in my life to have really taught me you know, what it truly means to live like Christ, to lead others, to shine his light to the world. I mean, that is what he does, you know, all the time. And he has been very active um, in trying to help, you know, change the course of, you know, what this church, our church, the United Methodist Church as a whole is doing and how to stop harm. I mean, that's his number one mission is to To stop harming, you know, people through the words that are in the Book of Discipline, you know, through the way that people might be treated. Um, So, yeah, we're just, we're incredibly lucky. And I think that's the passion that Andy and I both feel and bring to this is we have, you know, someone we know and would not for one second want to see them hurt more. Mm
3: Mm-hmm
0: hundred percent
1: completely agree. I mean, you yeah. know, I love your guys' family. I'm always trying to weasel my yeah. way into the mirror. In. you know, all the, all your families. Yes. So I, um, I completely agree. And, um, going into that, I want to talk a little bit about reconciling ministry. Um, that was kind of our next step after the video's, was it was important when the open door committee was formed that the um the first thing that was brought to us was our initial let's try to join the reconciling ministry network so the reconciling ministry network essentially helps united methodists live out our baptismal covenant to resist evil injustice and oppression, and whatever
0: forms they present themselves and <laughs> exactly <laughs>
1: so to be a part of um this network meant the arch our, our church would be shared on their website so if there was somebody out there who was looking for an affirming church that they could know that they would feel welcomed in our church that was very important to us and that we also would be able to um represent on our website or any type of that any type of media that we also um could use their logo saying that we are a, an open church for everyone so there were numerous things that we needed to do as a church to become a part of this. And I know Katie, you, you were a part of a lot of that and Hillary as well. So everything that we've talked about so far was a part of that mm-hmm. to become part of the armen network network. Um, we had to educate our congregation. Mm-hmm. We had to take classes and have open topics where people could speak and ask questions about anything that had to do with being an affirming congregation Mm
3: -hmm. anything else that you guys can think of that we had to do before we had a vote so so we needed a 75 percent majority and what we ended up with was like a 73 point something right um right. I, i'm just looking
1: at it also quick. doesn't
0: that seem like a lifetime ago Wouldn't that was I'm like, like what, what, what literally, literally not that long but it the world has changed
1: <laughs> it it exactly it, it feels like forever ago so we had done all these steps and the rmn said okay you're ready to have this vote we had this vote on november 24th 2018 so it was a year Jeez. ago you guys oh my gosh it was a year ago so <sighs> i
2: will not. me neither
1: stay. i i know you're crying next to you hillary and andy in the back of the congregation bawling our eyes out and i don't mean after this vote was announced so to be a part of this vote you have to be a member of our church you can't just attend gum you have to be an active member um, And then after the vote was taken, you just, you know, write on a slip of paper, yes or no, you want to be part of the Reconciling Ministry Network. They counted the votes in front of us. So there are two people in the front who were counting our votes. And I will just never forget, they were still counting. And I am just, it's making me emotional thinking about it. Like bawling my eyes out thinking, oh my goodness, like our... Everything that we had put into, yeah. to show love for this community is just like for everybody was just,
0: I um, felt like it was it, very it almost emotional. felt like it was on the line in so many ways, even though I think it's because we so passionately and deeply, you know, wanted to show that support and to be able to say, This is our church, you know, and we have changed this, we have done this. Where you know, whereas on the other hand, afterwards, you know, especially knowing that we didn't quite get there i I looked at it and I thought well we're the same, mm-hmm. we're the same committee, we're the same group of people we're going to act the same, you know, whether we missed uh-huh. it by two percent or not, that's still the majority of our church feels the way that we feel, but I remember just feeling like you know they were counting i don't know, it just felt so profoundly um I was almost scared. I think I was crying out of fear. Like, what am I going to find out? Yeah.
2: Um, it,
0: yeah. you know, it, it was like this very right. watershed feeling like, you know, it's there's going to yeah. be a before and an after, I don't know. I'm not finding the right words here, but you yeah. guys know what I'm yeah. talking about, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I completely agree. And I feel like the, it, the emotions were building up because before Ugh. the vote was taken, They had opened it for questions and um, comments, which was hard. It's hard to, um, to be putting all this work in for so long and then to have not many people come and have those conversations with us, but then to get up in front of everybody and say some of the things that they said was really hard to hear. I mean, it, it's devastating to hear it's devastating um, to me and my family. Like, I, all I think about is my children. All I think about is the children that we already have mm-hmm. th- in this congregation. The, the adults, the people that come to our church who already are part of that LGBTQ community, who I am like, right. no way, no.
3: Like, no, yeah. this is not okay. They are I here I, and I couldn't. To this. I think
0: mm-hmm. Abby Hegstrand maybe said it best. Like, these are people in this room. That you are talking about. These are these are people right now.
3: Yeah, we need to we need to be careful about what we're saying because Yeah, it's not people like, oh, do we want it's not hypothetical. <laughs> these no, they are here. They are they're Humanity this church. They are part of this family already. Yeah. And you are talking about
0: well, and I also South think north Heather, north to right your now. point, we had been I mean, it was six months before we even put out the doors. I mean, we had been talking every week about um, you know what we every wanted week. and please don't hesitate to reach out so for people to then stand up and say well this is too soon for a vote or you know you're just going to rush to this moment I think you know I think a lot of us were frustrated like what are, what are we rushing what we're not
2: we wanted to <laughs> right. do this
0: right. four We've months ago you. we Where waited because we wanted you to feel comfortable <laughs>
1: I completely agree. I just, I feel like, yeah, we just sat back there and I just, it was emotional. It was, it was hard. Mm -hmm. And to your point too, Hillary, I felt like, I mean, I kicked the dirt for a day and then I was like, okay, what are we going to do next? What, what do we do now? Like we, we don't have time to sit and think about, oh, well we lost. Like, this was like, oh, to me, this was like, we're almost
3: there. A hundred percent. It was not an overwhelming majority of the voting members of our church said that they believe that we should be openly affirming. And that was such a huge deal. I remember keeping it together until they announced it. And then I cried so hard, I hyperventilated. I remember yeah. my husband had to hold me up because I was so thankful and proud um, of the way that our church showed up. I was just, it was a very overwhelmed. It, it was a God moment. And I, I felt it in that moment. In that moment, in that sanctuary, that was a thin place for me and I felt very, very thankful to be experiencing it.
1: I think it's too. to, I mean, for everybody to know too, that this open door committee did not give up. We were like, okay, well, again, this is just a hiccup. We're going to keep mm-hmm. going. We're very persistent. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys know about these three women who are yeah. on this podcast <laughs> right now, but Times that by at least another, you know, five, and you've got, you know, our open door. I would bet on us against
3: anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: we are not giving up. So, <laughs> so that happened a year ago, which again, a seems year like, ago. I, it seems like forever ago at My this gosh. point. I, again, because so many things have happened, like the world has changed, it's rotated, huh. and literally. <laughs> We're on the dark side. Um, (laughs) So after a year of Katie's commitment, um, Katie had handed the reins over to Hillary and Andy. So again, Pastor Sherry came to me and said, okay, Katie, Katie's time's up. Our plan with this open door committee from the beginning was... We wanted to keep it moving and keep it fresh. And we didn't want to burn any one person out. It was a lot of commitment. I mean, we spent a lot of time doing all these things through this mm-hmm. education with the congregation. And Sherry goes, well, who do you think? What, what kind of ideas do you have? And I mean, naturally, <laughs> Andy and Hillary, <laughs> I'm like, well, duh. I mean, you guys literally speak and live this every day. I cannot think of three more people better to do this. Katie, Andy and Hillary. So it was like a no brainer. And I'm so happy that you both said yes, because what, what yeah, would
0: we I, do mean, I don't know. I feel like the guy. pandemic has no? taken the wind out, you know, out of our sails a little bit. Like there are so many things I sort of like had all these ideas of things we would do, you know, and groups we would have and meetings. And I, I am, I, I don't know. I, I just, want to do more still it's hard you know? right now. um yeah. i i worry yeah. i've been thinking a lot lately about you know lgbtq plus people who are isolated because of the pandemic and you know how
3: uh,
0: can we reach out differently um i mean this is something that's so meaningful and i think the longer we're all at home i don't know it, i mean it's because it's hard for me right a, you know, person, a regular person trying to right. virtually school my kids and virtually work and right, you know, not yeah. seeing my own family. Right. And I think right. about all these other people who don't have those resources or whose self-worth is tied up or their relationship with God is tied up and things they've been taught and things they've been said that have been said to them. Um, I don't know. So I appreciate I you're so kind to say like, oh, I couldn't think of anyone better, but I am very self-aware and Kind of self-critical that, like, I think we we've got to do more. Still, we've got to do something else. I don't know. Andy and I, we had big plans, and
1: I also feel like that's what makes you so perfect for. I mean that that's what makes you so perfect for this. There's mm-hmm. the, the constant. I, I always feel like we could do more. I feel like everybody right now, of course, is having a difficult time. I mean, I don't want to downplay anybody. There, you know. none of us have lived through a pandemic before. So, I mean, we, we all are And I try to keep reminding myself, church is not shut down. It's just different. And everybody's really burnt out and really exhausted with everything. I mean, I'm sure you two are on zoom work calls like all day. I can't even imagine. So it's hard to connect with people. It's hard to do it all day and with a family and all those things. I completely agree. I know that there's so much more that I feel like we all can be doing. Um, let's talk a little bit, though, what happened during the pandemic in August. Our beautiful doors that were yeah. out front were vandalized. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, I was camping. I was on a sweet little vacation with my hubby and kid free and I will never forget waking up to that message going oh my gosh mm-hmm. the doors outside are vandalized and to see the things that were put on those doors I I, I can't believe I'm still married because I mean I left him all day I was like bye I gotta I, gotta, I, gotta, <laughs> I, gotta, I mean I am nowhere close to home right now but I leave all day I was like what do we need to do I was on the phone all day with news other people in the church um, emailing anybody and everybody that we could to to show our love still and that this was not going to put us down mm-hmm. so Hillary what what was your initial I mean your family in particular and I you speak so well wow. to your uncle's love and kindness and um, So of course I feel like you you guys just right away were like, well, this is what we're gonna do. We're just going to these doors <laughs> Yeah, and we're gonna I mean, them right I back think
0: <laughs> it, again, you are so nice because that doesn't necessarily come from. Uh, I mean, we were hurt and we were angry, and you know, I mean, again, unfortunately, we've seen like my uncle's home has been vandalized in his lifetime. Like, you know, horrible things have happened, but we are of the. We're cut from the cloth of if you push me down, I will get up and I will get up harder and faster than you will ever see. And I will do it to sh- to prove to you, you know, that you will never beat me. You will never win. And, you know, and there's mm-hmm. for for us, I think I I immediately I mean, it was very hurtful. But then we thought right away of the people who love and how much that would hurt them. And it was almost like, oh, no, you will not. You will not make anyone feel this way. We will not let you hurt someone um, that we're trying to reach out to and welcome. How dare you? So, you know, I mean, we probably would have put up the doors the next day if we could have, you know, gotten it together that quickly. We would have, you know, hmm. um, but, you know, there are processes and, and we wanted to get more people involved. And I think we did it the right way. And I'm really proud of the response from our church.
3: Yeah, the community. I think the response from the community, oh, like right. that is something that was beyond, like from seeing the really hateful, hurt-filled statements that were sprayed on those doors to immediately Everybody. just being flooded, flooded.
1: We had I mean, over 70 messages from people. We had calls, we had Facebook posts, Mm -hmm. we had messages, we had emails. I was incredibly flooded with so much love from everybody. What can we do to help? What do you guys need donated? When are you going to do? And we want to be there. What, I mean, I cannot even, Mm -hmm. it was, it was amazing. That's when I was like, I'm spending my whole day on this. I will respond to every single person who sent us a message there is no way that I was not going to let them know that we appreciated
3: what they were doing for us. And I think it just acted as fuel, right? Like, don't you think Hillary, the fact that we not only did we have the conviction of what we were doing, which is certainly enough, but to then just literally be drowned. Every time someone posted about what happened to the doors 40 million people were sharing it. People were commenting and they were sharing their own stories and their own fears. And all of a sudden this got so much bigger than a 12 person committee at one of a million churches in Midwest Michigan. You know, all of a sudden this was something much bigger and I thought that was really exciting and
1: the other churches that were rallying behind us.
3: I mean, we had,
1: we had other churches call, send messages, put on their signs. We stand with you gum. I mean, it Mm -hmm. was, it's just one of another, another one of those emotional moments. It's one of those love moments. I just, I can't, just to read all those messages again of everybody supporting us. Um, it it does. It shows what an amazing community we live in and yeah. that we just, we just kind of grew with that. I mean, we got those doors back out there. We did what we needed to do. Uh, you know, we, we masked up, we socially distanced and we had stations and we were ready to go. We were ready to spread those messages of love. Yeah. Again. And I
0: think like, I'm just really proud that that whole event, I am really proud of how, um, I mean, that a lot of work went into that, you know, I I mean, I think Andy and I were talking probably Mm -hmm. two hours a night for four or five days, you know, we were with each other, you know, anybody who said, here's what I can bring, here's what I can do, you know, they delivered. And then, you know, the way, you know, that people from our committee who said they would come, they showed up, what can I do? And people, I mean, honestly, there were some people who we haven't heard from a lot on the committee who families who got involved and took over, we'll just handle this door completely. You know, and that to me was like, right. I love this. I love, you know, there were youth from our church so involved. I don't know. There were just so many reasons why I feel like, you know, after being apart for so long as a church community, that event was just, you know, it was powerful for me Yeah not just to say, look, this is what we will do. And this is what we stand for at GOM. You won't beat us. But I also think it reinforced for me why I came to this church.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. So I that's all that I had. And I just wanted to thank you both so much for just, again, your commitment and your love for this church and this, the growth of this committee and in doing something so important and and showing all your dedication. So I appreciate you guys and thank you for
3: being a part of this with me. Thank you. Thanks for being on the ride. All right, ladies have a good night. Bye guys.
1: A special thank you to Katie Smith and Hillary kitchen for joining me on this episode of something to chew on. Let's see what we have to chew on next.